Hello, this is Richard Outram, and welcome to the Prepare for Growth podcast series, bite-sized wisdom for leadership and personal development. So thank you for taking time out to join me. I'm so grateful for this unique opportunity. Okay, in this week's podcast, I'm thrilled to introduce Brent Alvord, Managing Director at Sherman Samuels, a boutique advisory firm helping companies to maximize their potential by working tirelessly with company teams, dissecting, simplifying, and rebuilding systems, strategy, people, and processes to create meaningful growth. His prior experiences include Chief Development Officer and Board Member at CECOP, the leading global association of independent opticians and optometrists for 7,000 plus members and more than 120 brand partners. Managing Director of Key Accounts Alliances for ABB Optical and President of Lenny Subs. Brent's wisdom bite for today is how mindfulness and meditation helps you become a better leader. Brent, I am so thrilled to have you on the show, man. I mean, this has been a long time coming, Brent. We have talked about it. We've been in network functions. When I first met you, I got to tell you, man, that you're a cool cat. There was something about you <laughs> which brought a lot of calmness and so on. So it didn't surprise when I learned later on that you practiced uh, meditation and um, and mindfulness. So welcome on the show, Brent. Thanks, Richard. Back at you. I, I've always had a great vibe from you uh, since we first met many years ago. So thanks for your uh, awesome spirit, man. Uh, thank you so much, Brent. Did you want to add anything else to the introduction, Brent? Nah, no, nah, that's that's fine. You know, you know the, the what we do is part of the journey. I think it's it's more about the who we are and who we've become to be and and what our personal mission in life is and and how we're continuing to uh, follow that personal mission to be able to have some sort of uh, impact in the world. Absolutely. And, you know, Brent, I love the pies. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned pie that they'd sell a bit more before we get into the, the nuts and bolts. Tell me about pie. Yeah. A while back, I came up with this acronym of pie. Yeah. Positive impact everywhere. And a lot of people like pie, right? So we just need to share more pie in the world and, and uh, the world would be a better place. If we just have a positive impact everywhere, that, that kind of comes up as a summary of my personal mission statement, uh, whether it's in relationships, uh, you know, work relationships, home relationships. Uh, I'm a, a scout leader. Uh, and so whether it's in scouts and helping to influence uh, you know, people in a positive way in terms of their life. I think it becomes a good sense of purpose for me uh, that, that someone challenged me to have a kind of a mission statement for myself many years ago. And that is kind of what sums it up. I love how you encapsulate that in, in three letters. Fantastic. We're going we're gonna to get into a little bit more about that, Brent, because a lot of this topic of mindfulness and meditation um, is about spreading a positive impact everywhere. Okay, so so three sections in in the um, in the podcast today. What have you learned? What would you change? And what are you grateful for? And then we'll do a quick round. Okay, how about that? Yeah, perfect. Awesome. Let's go. So, so let's kick it off, Brent. How did you personally become interested in the intersection of mindfulness, meditation, and leadership? So I found it more as meditation. I don't necessarily jive with the mindfulness part of it. Yes. I know that's the current term that a lot yeah. of people use uh, but for me it's more about just meditation and connecting uh, similar to that mission statement I got challenged many years ago to find 
an alternative to other coping mechanisms. I killed a lot of brain cells in my younger days. And, uh, and then when I was around 20 years old, I was introduced to meditation as an alternative to other things. And so since I was 20, I've been meditating and been a, have that as an active part of my life. And, and that has permeated into my business life, my social life, community life, everything, and serves as kind of the core of, of what I do uh, on a regular basis, on a daily basis. Absolutely. And so we'll probably lump up into the conversation, you know, meditation as well as mindfulness, because they both interrelate. And, and seeing things as, a, as a, an observer is very, very important. And I know we're going to get into it in your meditation practice. And that is how I see mindfulness, right? It's being present in the moment, mm -hmm. being able to be self-aware and aware of situations as well, taking a kind of observer situation because there is a deeper soul, is what I believe. And, uh, you yeah. know, situations is able to kind of be independent to that. So we'll, we'll probably combine both concepts together. That's, that's yeah, that's fine. I, I see the mindfulness, I, I guess, in that context. Yeah, spot on, because mindfulness is more in your everyday movements and being able to be present even in a meeting. Yeah, not that you're going um or whatever, yes. but just being generally aware, almost uh, as like a fourth dimension, so to speak, where you just just aware and aware of uh, the body language, the emotions, everything that's going on in the room and being present in the here and now. So. I, I click with that aspect of the mindfulness. Absolutely. Okay. All right. So can you share a personal anecdote or experience that illustrates the transformative power of meditation and mindfulness in your own leadership journey? Yeah. You know, I've had to speak in front of many people at times when I was president of the, the franchise chain. I had to get up in, in terms of a franchise summit when I was at ABB Optical. I had to stand up in terms in front of like 3,000 vision source people and speak. And, and so getting up in front of anyone, you know, it ends up promoting anxiety and fear and, hey, am I going to mess this up, et cetera. And, and I did some acting uh, many, many years ago. But I'd have the same type of angst. And, am I going to mess this up and have that fear? And that meditation, just connecting for a brief moment and calming and, and relaxing and, and centering ended up enabling me to go on the stage and do a great job and not worry as much. And so meditation many times just calms the worry, calms the anxiety. So I, I got a quote from you, Hugh Jackman meditates. And he says, the great thing about meditation is that twice a day, the monkey mind just calms down, right? And, and so he, he really uh, credits meditation to helping him with anxiety and other things other things. And, and so the same thing for me, when I, I have a lot of stress and everything's going crazy, or if uh, I'm about to do a big presentation, just centering and relaxing ends up stabilizing me out, enables me to have a heck of a lot more success at that task. Absolutely. Agreed. Agreed. And, you know, we can take it even a step further, Brent, by you know, moment by moment pausing. You're in leadership positions. There are stresses of the day. There are things that potentially trigger you. The power of the pause, Brent, and just pausing before you react, before you do anything, is a tremendous tool in leadership. And that's yeah. that doesn't cost you anything. That just is being yeah. recognizing that, you know, you just need to take a pause before reacting, before 
zipping out that email that you're going to regret later on that's in writing and pausing. And it's amazing how the world changes for yeah. you, you know? Spot on. I, I think, you know, I learned some leadership styles from, from people of what not to do, right? And and what to do over the years. And I've had I've had leaders that have been real jerks, uh, screamers that are cussing people out, uh, people that are throwing chairs uh, in, in the middle of a, a meeting, like old school, like fire for effect type of, of leaders. Uh, I've also seen other people and even some of those people transform and become even better leaders by, by just realizing we can ask nicely. We could be nice to each other along the way. And there was an old movie called Babe, which is about this little pig that becomes a uh, almost like a sheep herding dog. Uh, and that little pig tried to be like the dogs and barked and barked and barked, but didn't find success until the pig decided to just ask nicely. And so I kind of took that as a management strategy and, and said, you know what? I don't have to be a jerk. I don't have to scream. I don't have to rant. Uh, the, the, the tougher way sometimes, the more intellectual way is how do I find a way to motivate people without having to be a jerk? How can I ask nicely? How can we can make progress together and do it in a very mindful, wonderful way? And so all of that comes back into the meditation because I think it helps us be better versions of ourselves in each situation. I'm loving this, Brent. Thank you. What great wisdom, by I'm loving this conversation. So what are some of the key benefits of incorporating meditation and mindfulness into a leadership practice? I think I already mentioned anxiety, uh, stress reduction, uh, as well as just creativity and being calm and enabling us to be vulnerable and open. Uh, when I meditate, inevitably, there's stuff that bubbles up from the inside, right? There's feelings that bubble up. There's things that, that are going on. And, and being able to quiet uh, the chaos and, and calm the chaos is, is important. Uh, analogy I use is like a racquetball court. If you've ever been inside a racquetball court uh, and the balls are bouncing in every every direction, but imagine you have 50 balls that are bouncing in a racquetball court. And that's what our minds are many times starting meditation. We got 50 balls bouncing around, going all over the place. And we have to take those balls one at a time, just kind of set them down one at a time and set them down. And, and so that calmness enables us to focus, enables us to listen uh, listen to our inner self, our inner guidance, as well as just being in tune with our feelings and what's going on. And, and so that enables us to relax, to to really face life with a fresh, clean slate in that new moment. And it doesn't have to be forever. And some people think, oh, to meditate, I got to sit down in the yoga position and go um for 20 minutes. Ah, after, after you get in the groove of it, yeah, sometimes you meditate for five minutes, 10 minutes. But you can even take a 30-second pause and to be able to just close your eyes in a second and recenter and just be calm again, right? And, and that's what is beautiful to be able to take that into any situation, whether I'm flying on a plane at 35,000 feet or whether I'm in a boardroom uh, about to give a presentation. Awesome. Wow. Wow. This is brilliant. I love it. Brilliant. Has meditation helped you with improved decision-making? Yes, definitely. I, I think by being in connected to our soul, for lack of a better word, by connecting to what our our moral construct is inside our head and being in tune with our feelings and our conscience, it enables us to have a better discernment 
about decisions and to be able to say, which is the right path? And as we explore things, it ends up almost coming as inspirational uh, guidance, the gut level instinct guidance, and to be able to step back and really approach situations in a calm way and also not necessarily be a dictator in a particular situation, but solicit a, a democratic perspective from other people and allow those other perspectives to influence an outcome. So it doesn't have to be my way. Many times I'm influenced by the thought processes and, and contributions of other people. And by meditating, just being open, I'm much more open to the perspectives of others. And that collective wisdom together ends up yielding a better decision and outcome. Absolutely, Brent. Hey, here. Couldn't agree with you more on that one. Now, I, I can tell you got a very high IQ. Tell me, tell it, tell it, let, let's talk about has meditation improved your EQ, your emotional intelligence? I, I think absolutely. And, and I don't think any of us are perfect. I think uh, we've all been created to be perfectly imperfect and continue learning and improving along the way. Right. Yeah. And so I continue to try to, to make advancements and, and be open to, to improvements. And a definition of humility for me is, is being teachable and, and realizing I don't have to be in charge of everything all right and then in, in control of everything and so that that definition and being able to incorporate uh really the concept of of, of really, if you think about what makes us tick many times and, and we had our core childhoods we have different experiences that we've had along the way we've had baggage uh that we've had to deal with and resolve uh we've had to bring compassion back into some of those wounds and, and bring forgiveness into our hearts and to be able to let go of, of traumas or whatever else has gone on for most, most people in the world, right? And as we end up letting go of those things, we also end up facing our fears. And, and every day we have numerous tiny little fears, fear of looking bad, fear of failure, fear of success, fear of, of um, not being uh, good enough or whatever the little tiny fears are that keep on cropping up on a regular basis. And if we're really honest with ourselves, we, we can see how those fears uh, end up permeating our lives. And if we're not careful, those fears can trigger reactions where I react to something uh, as opposed to stepping back, rising above it a little bit and realizing I don't need to let that fear drive me and be able to replace that fear with just a moment of trust, a moment of faith, and to be able to relax a little bit in a particular situation. And so that ends up yielding emotional intelligence for me. That yields uh, calmness and being able to face through stuff, owning what real, real feelings are, but at the same time, uh, not letting them absolutely drive me to the point that, uh, that I'm making incorrect decisions or having incorrect behaviors. You, you touched on one of the biggest points and probably the crux of this entire conversation um, about letting go. And we're going to go a little bit more into that point because that is, to me, one of the secrets of the world, right? We, we're suffering from a lot of trauma. There's a lot of mental health issues in the world globally, which is increasing. Very, various reasons for that, we all know. Um, but, the, but the point about letting go is critically important, Brent. We're going we're gonna to explore some more of that in a minute, Okay which is probably related to my next question. What are some of the common misconceptions or challenges that leaders face when trying to adopt meditation and mindfulness practices in their leadership roles? You know, if we grow up in a, 
let's just take American society, right? You grow up in a high school, you have the sports guys, you have the, everyone's trying to socially look the best they can. And even more so, and nowadays, because you got TikTok and uh, Snapchat and all these things that people are trying to appear awesome, right? And, And for someone to say, I meditate, you know, I meditate on a regular basis. Uh, people look at you like you're a total weirdo. Like, what is this new age wackadoo stuff that you're you're putting <laughs> out there? And, and if I'm a quarterback for a sports team, uh, you know, uh, and you say, yes, I meditate daily on a regular basis, uh, that doesn't necessarily win the ladies over, right, uh, in, in the high school, right? And so I think we're all fighting against, you know, this this image that we have of coolness, and, and meditation may not necessarily be the cool thing, right? Until you get a little bit further along in life, realize that, wow, this is an awesome coping skill. And it's an awesome uh, attribute to be able to incorporate into our lives on a daily basis. So I did a little research and, and here's some of the peoples uh, that, that meditate on a regular basis. Mark Binioff, who's the founder of Salesforce, Ray Dalio, the founder of Bridgewater Associates, Jack Dorsey, we've heard him, Twitter yeah. and Square. Uh, Jeff Weiner, the chairman of, of LinkedIn. Bill Ford, uh, who's heads up uh, Ford Motor Company now. Oprah Winfrey, Katy Perry, Lady Gaga, Paul McCartney, Hugh Jackman, as I said before. And there's a, a good author named Jay Shetty that, that I like as well, uh, who does meditation on a regular basis. So, so when you start getting people that are known people, it makes it a little bit better uh, in terms of the meditation stigma because you read uh, what these people are saying. You're like, okay, maybe there's something to it. But when we're in that high school mentality of I got to look cool, uh, it doesn't necessarily jive. And so as leaders, we have to fight against our our fear of looking bad, uh, which is that false pride that we have and say, you know what? I may need to do this anyway because this is good for me and my mental health as well as the mental health for uh, those that I help influence. Absolutely. True self-care. Um, look, I would, give, I would go a little bit further, Brent, because I would say if you listen to all of the major sports teams now, right, and high-performing athletes, right, you know, Djokovic and Federer and the Miami Heat, I mean, this is just a regular um, part of their of their practice, right? Um, you know, sports yeah. preparation and so forth, you know. And in addition to that, um, the Googles of this world and the Etnas and these, you know, large companies are incorporating this in their daily habits and their daily practice as well. Yeah. I mean, there's meditation rooms in different companies nowadays, uh, which are interesting just to see that dynamic happening. You know, Ren, I've studied meditation and yoga for 25 years now. I mean, literally, intellectually, right? And I started practicing seriously probably around 15 years ago you know um it's amazing about you know the tried and tested and the proof of how it works right whether it's for your body your your own health your mental psyche etc so um you know to me there's a lot of science behind it there's a lot of spirituality potentially behind it as well but the scientific part of it and how it's proven um over over many many years is undeniable that's my personal opinion you know yeah, I agree 100 percent. And I think you can the, the cool part about it is, <clears throat> is that there's so many different world religions that actually incorporate meditation as part of it. Right. 
but it doesn't have to be tied to spirituality. Right, so yeah. that might also be one of the stigmas uh, in practice in, in a leadership role is because religion is not necessarily a topic that we bring up in the in the workplace. We don't we typically try to avoid religion and politics yes. right, in the workplace. So by meditation, some people may have different uh, different perspectives of what that is. And, and I think if we lean towards at least the scientific, the the doctor opinions that are out there, that meditation is actually good for our bodies. It's good for our minds and and good for employees in general. I think it, it helps leaning towards the scientific aspect versus just the spiritual aspect. Right. OK, so we're going to go a little bit further on your other point about letting go. So and leadership. So a leadership stigma possibly could be, Brent, does mindfulness mean detaching from feelings? For me, no, not at all. So I, as I said before, when I'm meditating, I get feelings that bubble up. Uh, they just kind of come up and, and you can't necessarily do anything about it. They're just there. And so sometimes meditation goes hand in hand with journaling or writing something down where say, all right, there's something there. I, I'm something's not sitting right with me. And inevitably it may come back to something on my to-do list that I'm not doing or something I'm procrastinating on, or I'm avoiding, uh, because I don't feel like doing it or, or because, uh, I might have a fear around it or something that's going on or some sadness. It could even be grief, uh, you know, a loss that I haven't really embraced or a hurt uh, that I haven't embraced or or even a frustration or an anger that I haven't diffused. And so sometimes those feelings in, in meditation, I'm able to diffuse those feelings and to be able to gain some peace and, and serenity uh, in the present moment. And so I think the feelings actually go hand in hand. With meditation they don't need to govern us but if we're if we're honest with ourselves uh that those feelings are a part of uniting who we are and and they don't have to control us but they are a a, a present aspect of who we are absolutely brent and you mentioned um at the beginning you know some very powerful points because our typical coping mechanisms when it comes to feelings is we bypass the feelings we suppress them we try to escape them or we act on them. You talked about anger, aversion, fear, yeah. resentment, right? We act on those, right? And some of the strategies through meditation and how mindfulness can help you, as you mentioned before, is feeling the feeling and letting go without judging, all right? You know, dropping the story. You mentioned we all come with our own beliefs and realities and maybe childhood traumas, whatever, right? Um, but... You drop the story if you can, you let it go, but not the feeling, right? And revealing, just don't concealing your feelings are going to be critically important, right? Those are some of the coping mechanisms. So say a little bit more around that because the point about letting go and those deep inner beliefs, you know, in, in Eastern kind of philosophy, they call it sanskaras, um, where they're deep imprints that come with you, right? Whether it's, you know, childhood, your beliefs, it's your own reality, Brent, your own reality, which may not be the reality of the world. It's your personal reality. And you bring those. And those cause yeah. those cause the mental issues we all suffer from. Yeah. You know, one of the things that that I was taught along the way was don't go the wrong way on a one-way street. Right. And right. so uh, for a lot of my life, I tried to go the wrong way on a one-way street. 
All right. If if there was a rule, I wanted to break it uh, as opposed to, uh, you know, follow it. Uh, if there was a challenge, I would, I'd go upstream against stuff. I would resist and I would I would rebel against different things. And then someone helped coach me to, hey, why don't you just turn turn around and go the right way on the one way street? It's a lot less chaos. It's a lot less uh, havoc that, that's happening. And if you think about a mental image of a, a car wreck, a cars and everything passing, you can see how it's a lot less chaos if you're going the right way. I remember I was in a river uh, canoeing and I was at a campsite in Arkansas and it was at night. And I was I was just I had not not canoeing at that point, but I was out in the middle of this spring little river and it was just beautiful. I was just laying in the river, looking up at the stars and I just felt the water flowing around me. Right. And, and that moment kind of cemented itself in my mind to just let life flow, just let it go and just let the water flow around me and, and not resist it so much. If I turn over and I try to swim upstream, then I'm fighting it. I'm fighting it. I'm pushing. I'm going the wrong way on the one way street. But if I just turn around and kind of go with it, it's just so relaxing. And, and that mindset, that analogy ends up permeating how we can embrace every single day and just let it flow. Absolutely. Someone asked me a few weeks ago, if you had a billboard, Richard, what would it say? And my billboard is very simple, Brent. Don't resist. And there's a lot, there's a lot to that point. It's not, you know, there's a lot because you're you're touching some real deep human truths about, you know, we construct the world the way we see it, right? We bring our own issues. And we tend to resist things rather than just being free-flowing. That doesn't mean to say you don't have a responsibility in the world, right? But you have to let life flow. Yes. And it doesn't mean we can't plan. Yeah, no, We can plan. We can, yeah, I love the hope is not a strategy. It right? doesn't mean yes, that we can't course. plan. Uh, but I think we have to put the effort in and then kind of let go of the actual outcomes uh, of the results. 100%. You know, one of the things I, I also like, I picked this up from somewhere, some Zen proverb or something like that. But a lot of times we go through life as if we had a bowl that was empty. And so our bowl is empty and, and I'm always unsatisfied. And so I'm always trying to fill it up with, with experiences, with material things, with you name it. And, and I'm walking through life just empty all the time versus switching our mindset and imagining this bowl is overflowing all the time. And I'm walking through life just feeling an overwhelming sense of abundance. And so when we're meditating, I really believe that, that gratitude and compassion and mercy and all those, those sort of really good feelings are really almost the tuning dial on an old radio to be able to tune in the right station, to be able to feel that connection. And that gratitude of having that sense of abundance that, wow, I'm, I'm alive, I'm breathing, I can see, I can, uh, you know, there's so many just vibrant things that are going on right now in this present moment, I, as opposed to me worrying about my bills or worrying about this or worrying about uh, this project I got coming down the pike, you know, by having that sense of abundance, my entire disposition and attitude is much better. Wow, beautifully said, Brent. Thank you for that. Beautifully said. Okay. Are there any specific meditation techniques or mindfulness exercises that you recommend for leaders looking to enhance their self-awareness and decision-making abilities? You know, I think if someone hasn't been meditating, 
yeah. it's it's tough for them to get started, right? They they see it as some funky weird thing, and I can't sit still, uh, and you know my I can't quiet my mind down as everything's going all over the place, and I'm like this ADD kid, right? That's bouncing all over the place, and and I think the best thing to do for meditation sometimes to get started, sometimes it's a guided meditation, and listening to a guided meditation. Uh, because then it's someone else's voice that's walking us through. A lot of times it's focusing on breathing, uh, just the simple breathing in, breathing out, just focusing on breathing and maybe thinking of something like as I breathe in chaos, I use my body as a filter and breathe out peace, right? Uh, and just be able to think about some simple construct like that. Uh, just one thing recently that that I discovered, I haven't used it a lot because I don't necessarily need it uh, to connect on the meditation. That's just because I've been doing this for a little while, but it's been really cool for some other people. And and the Oculus, which is the VR headset, yeah. uh, they have a program in there called Trip. And so it's like a guided meditation, but your eyes are open and you can see this whole other world around there and, and cool stuff and graphics that they've done. And I've seen people who haven't necessarily clicked with traditional meditation, who haven't been able to to calm down uh, in the same way uh, that, that I can just close my eyes and connect. Uh, I've seen them be able to connect through using some of the new technology and new tools. And there's apps like Headspace out there and apps like that. that. I think those things are good things just to get people in the groove of starting to do meditation on a regular basis. Absolutely. And the amount of friends that we have, common friends and executives in our network who are looking for some type of solution. Many of them, if not most of them, would start by saying, but Richard, I can't even calm my mind down for 30 seconds. And then I give up. And then they give up. They try. They've got the best intentions in the world because they know how, you know, this can really enable your self-care and, and everything around leadership, conscious leadership. But they said, just can't do it. Um, and what I try to tell them, Brent, and you're saying exactly the same thing is, look, at the end of the day, let go of the expectations of a linear progress. Just let go of it. You can start to your point, Brent, with a minute of meditation and then maybe five minutes and maybe you can be guided. Maybe you get an instructor um, and so on. But, you know, go easy on yourself because we're all that. The most important thing, which is life changing, is that you're witnessing your thoughts now. When we're on a constant treadmill, overstimulation, social media, and all that kind of stuff, there's no gaps that are created in our lives, right? So you're on this constant right. thing. There's no gaps in between that. Imagine if it's just for a minute you start off with and you're witnessing your thoughts, you're understanding feelings and the way you think about things. That's very, very over time. That minute becomes five minutes. That five minutes becomes 10 minutes. And before you know it, you're a, you're a meditator for 20 minutes for each session. Yeah. And, and just as I'm sure in your experience, none of us started meditation as some like little spiritual guru right. that could just sit there perfectly and, and feel this nirvana state, right? Yeah. It's a journey. It takes time. It takes work, just like exercising or working out or something like that. It just takes a little bit of application. And hopefully people's journey can uh, can discover this whole world within uh, of being able to connect to that calmness and it ends up helping them. But the, the best thing is to basically just meditate, right? Uh, just like the Nike, uh, you know, uh, statement of just do it, yes. right? Just meditate, just do it, just just jump in, spend a little bit of time, and grow it over time. And if you can't 
think about something, get an inspirational reading or something, and just think about the words in that reading and how it applies to your life. Uh, there's a lot of different methodologies to do it, but being able to take that quiet time for ourselves is critical. What's your daily habit, Brent? And maybe you can kind of give some some wisdom bites in how they how we can make meditation a, a habit. You know, as soon as I wake up, um, I'm still in the bed and I am closing my eyes, um, moving from being sleeping to it's the first thing I try to do is connect. I try to plug in just like if we have a, a cell phone nowadays, we're all used to recharging our cell phone. And and I try to recharge those those meditative batteries on a regular basis and to connect. And, and it's like I'm plugging in. And so I try to ground myself in the morning before I start a busy day and to be able to just get centered and calm and, and feel those those positive feelings within. And then throughout the day, if I need to take a, a top off moment where basically a quick recharge, I, I can't. It could be 30 seconds. It could be a minute. It could be a couple minutes if I need it. Uh, and then at the end of the day, I try to meditate as well at night. Sometimes if if the uh, if I'm on a break somewhere, I can just close my my eyes and and be able to meditate for five minutes. And it's almost like a it's a relaxing recharge uh, that we get almost like by taking an app or something like that. But we can get it almost instantly in that moment to feel even better and to be able to go face uh, whatever task or have this energy and this abundance of and resilience to be able to go embrace whatever extra tasks we have to do. And and look, a lot of us have jobs, right? We work, we love what we do, but it doesn't mean every aspect of what we do is is so fun, right? Yeah. There's things that require persistence and resilience. And by meditating, it sometimes it gives us the energy to be able to do those things that require the persistence and really resilience because I I'm not worried about feeling good now and trying to get self-gratification. I'm not worried about avoiding this thing that I don't necessarily want to do. I'm I'm content already and I can just plow through it and do the work. And do you have, uh, Brent, sounds like you may have non-negotiable times in the day. Is How important is that to create a habit for people to say, you know, listen, I get up in the morning, it's five or six o'clock in the morning, I'll practice my 10 minutes or whatever it is terms of meditation when i come home at night i'll do my meditation practice at 7 30 or so before the kids and the family dinner and so forth how important is it to have non-negotiable times such it becomes such it becomes habitual hey i've been i've varied on the structure spectrum over the yeah. course of time and i i've had times where i've been very structured with it and then i've had other times where i'm less structured nowadays i, I would say i'm less structured with it uh, because uh, I have a I have a discernment and I know when I need to top off. I know mm -hmm. when I need to connect. I know when I need to recharge. And so I'll recharge when needed, as opposed to if you think about a Tesla, uh, you know, EV car that, that's out there. Right. We know that. All right. If my tank's getting low I, or, or my gauge is getting low, I need to go top it off. Otherwise, I'm going to run out of gas or run out of electricity uh, somewhere. And so the same sort of thing happens nowadays, but almost religiously uh, or from a discipline perspective, I'll top off in the morning before I start the day. Got it. Okay. All right. Lovely. All right. Wonderful. My, my personal one is I try. I'm not great at it because uh, COVID was actually a life changer because, you know, being at home, 
I was able to really practice over the course of two to three years or so. But I tried to do 20 minutes in the morning. All right. First thing in the morning, I go outside in the patio and just, you know, collect myself and so forth. May, may, uh, you know, take a journal of some sort to your point or some kind of spiritual reading. And then at night, uh, you know, from my commute to family life, you know, because there's an important because we didn't have the the car commute, so to speak. So there wasn't a break between that heavy 14 hour days and your family life. Uh, especially when during COVID when we were home, I would try to, and it became a, a habit in the household. Everyone knew that, you know, there was a 15 to 20 minute break and then would have wonderful family time after that, you know? So that was it. That's and, awesome. and it worked really well, Brent. And it became just habitual for me now. I I, I know when I'm off now, um, even though we're back to the office and stuff, like I know when I'm off when I'm not practicing that, that habit, you know? Yeah. No, spot on. I, I, I love that you're doing that on a regular basis and uh, you have that great example and you're having that discipline and being able to practice that, I think, is really important. And so, you know, I think that communicates a great message for a lot of people out there. To How do they incorporate something like that into their schedules? And if we really step back as individuals, we probably waste other time in other ways. And to be able to inject 10, 20 minutes, 15 minutes here that really tune and calibrate our minds and be able to help us be even better versions of ourselves for our loved ones and to be able to help us be in a, a better fit condition emotionally, uh, it's actually worth it. it. And it's almost required making that investment on a regular basis to be able to yield the best version of me handling whatever situation, whatever family situation, or just being able to try to be as attentive to the needs and, and wants and, and being present in the lives of others, which we're not always good at. We're not always perfect at, uh, but meditation increases our chances of being able to be better. Absolutely. Now, I met your beautiful family um, last year. I think it was last year. Um, they all practice meditation as well. Tell us a little bit about the, uh, you know, the evolved um, household when it comes to meditation and collective group? Yeah, I would say they, they make fun of me a little bit because I would say I'm probably more of the meditator in the family than they are. Yes. And, uh, and they get tired of me uh, saying meditation is is basically the key answer on stuff. Uh, they've heard about it since I was they were little kids and, and so forth. Uh, each of them has their own way. And, and this is one of the things, like my wife, um, she has different things that she does that puts her in a meditative state. Uh, she does sewing and is a fashion designer and, and, and she really just gets in this creative vibe when she's creating. And that creating time ends up being almost like meditation for her, yes. right? Yeah. My, my children sometimes get in the groove of just listening to music and listening to music and being mindful as they're listening to the music, that becomes meditation time for them. Yeah. I know of other people that that sometimes when they're running, right, or they're going for a walk, that becomes a meditation and mindful time for them. And so one of the, the common misnomers is that there's one size fits all for everyone. And I think I've had to learn that over the years because the way I connect isn't necessarily the way that you would connect or my wife will connect or your wife would connect. I can't necessarily force it on someone. They have to find their own journey as to what is is relieving for themselves absolutely you've hit a big point there thank you for for, for raising that point
Brent, it's so important. There are different ways to meditate. People are people adopt different practices to be in their flow, their personal flow. It doesn't have to be to your point. Sitting cross-legged on, <laughs> on pillows, <laughs> all right, doing the typical pose. People find their own way. And whatever works for you, it's the point of personal quiet time where you're able to pause, introspect, and become more self-aware. That's the whole point. And whatever that works for you, God bless you. Keep going with it, you know? Yeah. All no, right. It's, it's really good. So, so how do you measure or assess the impact of meditation practices on leadership effectiveness and organizational culture? So I think there's like if an organization actually has a bunch of people practicing meditation, I, I think there's a higher degree of communication. Yeah. I think there's a better communication that goes on amongst all the members and, and also a, a more of a unity in working towards solutions with a positive intent. Yeah. I would say it also ends up yielding you know, people that are more open uh, to other perspectives, people that are willing to be vulnerable and less about their own egos and more about the collective good. And, and all those attributes are really awesome in terms of a company uh, to be able to be filled with uh, teammates that are really striving towards the collective good that aren't necessarily trying to build their own specific kingdom within a company that are really attentive to other people's needs. A lot of times in, in me meditating, I learn how do I think of myself less and yes. think of more people, of other people more. And how do I look at life from someone else's perspective? And by being more self-aware of what are my own defects of character, the things that hold me back, uh, that I can then and be a little less selfish and more caring about other people. And so someone who's meditating uh, ends up being, in many ways, more caring uh, for other people uh, and, and end up being more caring for the outcomes and the goals of the company. And... I would say you have less of a, of chaos where people are screaming and being jerks to each other and, and really all the, the negative energy that's out there. It's one of the reasons why I think if the whole world meditated on a regular basis, there'd be a lot, a lot happier solutions, uh, less crime, less drugs, less alcohol. I think meditation could actually be one of the keys to, to, uh, solving most of the societal challenges that are out there. I agree 100%, Brent. I would give you a big hug right now if we weren't on Zoom. I 100% agree with that, Brent, 100%. And, you know, to your point, it, it, it does it does improve, uh, you know, empathy, as you mentioned, self-awareness, curiosity and inquiry, um, compassion, to your point. You, 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 you know, you naturally care for one another and you allow, you allow things to happen, right? When you inquire, and you've got that buzzword, which is meta-awareness these days, all right? You're much more compassionate and empathetic. Wonderful. Thank you for that. That's awesome. Okay. The next round, what would you change in any area of life, not just business? So that was a tough one for me in that, that I also accept the way things are. Um, whether it's it's me or other people, you know, I think a lot of times in this physical world, we still have to pay our bills. We still have to cover 
college education for kids. We still have to coordinate stuff. And it's not always easy. It's not easy for you. It's not easy for me. It's not easy for most people. And so what would be nice is to have even more abundance out there for everyone so they didn't have to stress about uh, their financial security as much. And so if I could change something, that would be uh, having more abundance out in the world so that people didn't have to stress as much. Got it. Got it. Is abundance a mindset? It is a mindset, but but it's also a reality too, right? If someone is having to cover their bills and is short at the end of the month of the bills, or they are having a hard time putting food on the table, we're blessed with, with us problems, right? And if we really think beyond the U S wow, my, my problems are nothing compared to a lot of uh, people in the world. And so, you know, yeah, I can have an abundance mindset and know that I'm being provided for, but but I think there is the reality of the financial reality that the people need, uh, you know, just certain levels of income to be able to cover their bills and and have some uh, bare minimum level of of material well being uh, for basic uh, needs and happiness. And the opportunity to, to to do so as well. So no, thank you yeah. for that, Brent. I hundred percent agree with that. All right, what are you grateful for in any area of life, not just business? You know, I thought about this one as well, and that you know, I really think it's it's the connection, right? The connection I have to the meditation and and spirituality, for lack of a better word, uh, but also the connection I have to others, and that connection is what helps us feel part of and helps us feel less lonely and helps us feel happier and supported and able to support. And if we didn't have those connections, it would be a very uh, atrophied and lonely life. And and by having these connections uh, to friends and and colleagues and and people that we care about, as well as to uh, the best versions of ourselves in terms of our conscience and, and where we're guided to, I think that connection is probably one of the most important things for me. Absolutely. Wow. These are very powerful wisdom bites, Brent. I've gotten to know more of you now. I mean, we, we've been friends and we've, you know, connected at networking. This is, this is absolutely superb. This is, uh, I would say, Jay Shetty, watch out. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, Jay's, Jay's got great books. I don't know oh. if you've listened to or read any of his stuff. It's amazing. I, uh, I a lot have. of amazing content he's got. I so. have. He's fantastic. Think Like a Monk is a fantastic book. And his podcast yep. on purpose is superb. You know, more power to him. It's fantastic. All right. The quick round, Brent. Quick round. Um, you know, leaders are going to face possible challenges when trying to implement mindfulness and meditation practices. What insights would you offer to overcome those? Just do it anyway. So just just make it happen anyway. Now, now I think we have to be careful. We can't force a discipline or beliefs on other people. Yep. Um, people have to go in their journey on their own time. And as much as we may know that this is the best thing ever for them, we can't force feed it down their throats. Yep. And, and it's more of a program of attraction rather than just promoting it and evangelizing it. It, it has to be something that comes from within. 
And so I think the best thing as leaders we can do is is set the bar by example. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Are there any recommended resources, books, apps that you suggest for individuals interested in exploring meditation and mindfulness? We talked a little bit about some of them. I think there's the Trip app that if someone wants to connect with an Oculus, they can do that. There's Headspace. There's numerous apps on your phone that are guided meditations. Even listening to music that maybe doesn't have words, just more like spa music or, or something like that ends up being good. Uh, there's a book, a simple book called Meditation for Dummies. Yeah. One of those little yellow and black books that actually has a bunch of great content. And I would counsel that as we explore meditation, there's going to be some stuff we click with, some stuff we don't. Don't let that stop you uh, because I may not be into every degree of chakra or something like that that I read about, but it doesn't mean I can't gain something from uh, reading around it. And so I would say take what we want and leave the rest. Let go of, of things that we're not necessarily clicking with, but adhere to the things that we do click with along the way. If you had to name a book that changed your life on this topic, what would it be? I don't know if I have a specific book Okay. Uh, on this. It was more of getting successes early on and and being able to get these positive feelings of peace and serenity and happiness as i was able to eventually tune in this meditative state and or they call it alpha theta or or gamma waves whatever our brain is generating and to be able to feel these positive feelings as we move into these meditative states it's it's so enriching from within and and I would say one of the ones that might work that, that's not necessarily a book is Star Wars, right? Yeah. And if you think about Star Wars it, and you think about Yoda and Obi-Wan Kenobi and Luke Skywalker, they're all trying to close their eyes and tap into this force, this force of life that permeates itself through you, through me, through everyone else. And it's less of a religious concept as opposed to just hey, there's this innate force that exists in all of us. And us tapping into that energizes us from within. And so that force ends up giving a good construct and analogy. Now, I can't go levitate cups and levitate stuff uh, you know, with that force, but I can feel better and I can feel like I'm tapping into something that's much bigger than me. And may the force be with you. It is fantastic. It is fantastic. You're 100% right. There's a spirit, there's a consciousness, there's a, there's, a, there's a greater power. There's no two ways about that. Well said. It's a beautiful analogy. You know, there is a lot of deep meaning behind Star Wars. You've hit on a, you've hit on a, a great example there. Okay. What question should I have asked that I didn't about meditation? Um, you know, one question that... People, not necessarily a question, but more of a, a thought process. People don't know what they don't know on this journey, right? And if we imagine a rainbow and the, the thought that there's gold at the end of that rainbow, and we all know in real life rainbows, there's no gold at the end of the rainbow. But this is, a, this is an area where there is actually gold at the end of this rainbow. And, and I, I can't convey it enough 
the, the time and investment is well worth it. People may seem skeptical about it. Uh, and so is there really true dividends paid from, is there really a return on investment in investing this time to be able to yield uh, a better life, a better state of mind? And unequivocally, the answer is yes, right? I, I think, uh, I even have a poem that I wrote where I kind of coined this. Uh, in history, you see about guys going and searching for the fountain of youth. And, and the fountain of youth or this lost city of gold and the Incas and, and so forth. But I think that lost city of gold and that fountain of youth actually exists on the inside. And yeah. if we're able to tap into that, and we're able to feel that connection, uh, that it ends up energizing and, and being amazing. And so it's hard to put into words uh, that, that, that benefit for others. The one thing I can convey, though, is that it is real. It exists. It's worth the time and effort. That is beautifully said, Brent. And I think to that point, Brent, it's gonna, it, it does take work. And the other side is a beautiful other side. The challenges for people is, given the, the state of the world and our constant treadmill, is people are afraid to be alone with themselves. And you've got to break through that because you don't know what you can discover. When you self-introspect and you're self-aware and you deal with all the stuff you spoke about before, all the way from childhood, your traumas, your beliefs, you know, da-da-da-da-da, am I good enough? You know, am I different? Whatever. You Once you break through that and let that just pass through you, the other side is absolutely beautiful, you know, absolutely beautiful. Yeah. It takes work a, to get through that first few humps, though, right? Yeah, there's a a statement that the only way out is through. Yes. Right. Yes. And that's how sometimes we have these emotions. We have this stuff that we want to avoid. We want to suppress. We want to ignore. Uh, we have guilt for stuff that we may have done inadvertently or, or overtly. Uh, and we're trying to avoid all that. But really, the only way out is through embracing, uh, aligning, unifying ourselves, the yin and the yang, all that aspect of who we are, and to be able to be whole, uh, W-H-O-L-E. Uh, and so, you know, I think that's important for us all. Absolutely, Brent. Okay. In the last three years, what have you become better at saying no to? Hmm. Uh, I think, you know, on my personal journey, you know, I've been better at saying no to being hard on myself and being wow. too tough on myself. Wow. You know, there's, there's the analogy of love thy neighbor as thyself. And a lot of times we're hard on, hard on ourselves. And if I love my neighbor like I love myself, there's times in my life where my neighbor would have had a black eye, a broken arm. Uh, he would have been cussed out upside, up and down because that's how I treat me. And so many times I've learned the lesson that I need to treat myself as I would treat my neighbor. Right. Because a lot of times if you were having some struggles with something, I would be very nice. I'd be uplifting. I'd be, hey, Richard, you know, this this too shall pass and, and really trying to be encouraging for you. But then when I have my same thing that's going on with me, I need to pretend that I'm talking to Richard and not necessarily 
the inner voices that we have. And so sometimes we have to say no to the way we treat ourselves and, and really try to treat ourselves with more respect and caring and health, healthy self-care. Wow. Huh. What a way to almost end this session. Wow, that is fantastic, Brent. All right, what's your final advice or guidance for listeners who are interested in incorporating meditation into their leadership approach and personal development? I think it it's it's not necessarily about leadership uh, per se. It's more about incorporating it into their lives. And I like to use an analogy of a tree. And if you think about a tree, um, it has different branches on it. Uh, the nourishment for that tree in my world ends up being that meditation. It ends up being that connection. It ends up being uh, having that grounded source of nutrients so that that tree can be vibrant and filled with, uh, you know, one branch might be family. Another one might be community. Another one might be creativity. Another one might be hobbies. It might be whatever. And our, it's our job in life is to fill the tree of our lives with, with branches and with leaves to make it the most abund abundant life possible. And, and I think a lot of times we've been not necessarily grounded in the right thing. Uh, there was a, a silly movie called Idiocracy, right, which was many years ago. But this, this futuristic society had gotten to be so stupid that they were using Gatorade, uh, a version of, of kind of a sports drink, to water all their fields and all the crops died and they didn't know what was happening. Right. And so they had to get actually someone who's smart uh, to say, hey, we should use water instead of sports drinks to water all the, all the fields. And a silly analogy. But if we think about that for our own life and this tree of abundance, what nutrient are we watering our own tree of life with? And meditation ends up being a great nutrient to start that foundation. Wow. Wow, Brent. Brent, I can tell you, uh, you're not pie. You're not your pie squared or pie cubed. Your positive impact everywhere. This has been a tremendous session, Brent. I mean, so insightful, so inspirational. Uh, this has been brilliant. Thank you so much. These are great, great wisdom bites. You're elevating humanity in your own way, man. This, this particular episode is going to change lives. I'm certain of that. Beautifully done. Thanks, really buddy. well done, Brent. I thank, uh, you. I, I, I thank you for that. I love hanging out with you. I love being able to connect at this level. This is not something we normally do in the business world. We don't talk real life because we kind of avoid some of these topics and, and everything. So it's really uh, enriching to be able to talk at, at a real life level, uh, which is awesome. So thank you so much for the opportunity. And, and Richard, you always have a glow about you. And so I think a lot of that glow comes from meditation and your, and your work in that front. So I think that's awesome. Ditto to you, Brent. Thank you so much. And all the very best. Love you, man. And you take care of yourself. All, right, all, right. all the best. All right. Thank you, Brent. All right. Love Thank you, brother. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. I hope that you found today's session valuable. If so, please follow me on Instagram at outram.richard and post your comments. Thank you again. Until the next podcast.